Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. You know, if there was a divine sequence, then we can follow the pattern right down through the generations. And we saw that God called Abraham, a man who was in a far-off country. And God spoke to him and said, I want you to leave your father's house behind, the land of Haran. I want you to leave, and I'm going to take you to a place that you've never been to. You don't know the inhabitants there. You don't even know the address of where you're going to live. But as you take that step into the divine sequence and pattern, Abraham, that I have called for you, everything else is going to be unlocked. And he made him a promise that he'd give him a great name, that they'd become a great nation, and they'd be a great blessing to all the people of the earth. And that through Abraham and his descendants, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Can you say amen to that this morning? All the families through one man's seed, every family on the earth would be blessed. That's a pretty big promise. And so I want to skip down through his son Isaac and to his grandson this morning and start off there. Because if divine sequencing is real, then what happened in Abraham is going to happen in Isaac and his grandson Jacob because he's part of the sequence. You know, today there are people that are connected to you who are part of a divine sequence over your life. Did you know that? There are people that God has connected to you by His foreordained plan this morning that actually have influence about where your life is going and what's taking place. The connections that we allow into our life have tremendous power over the eventual destination that we all end up in. Oh yes, that's why we need to guard the gateways of our life to make sure that we've got right connections that are around us. Because the, 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 the uh, Scripture says that the, he who has comp- companions who are foolish will dwell with the fools. And he that dwells with the wise will receive the wisdom of God. Amen? And so we need to examine those connections. So we come down to Abraham's grandson, Jacob. He's a twin. He's the younger twin. He came out of his mother's womb second. But the hand of God had been upon him and his mother was going to make sure that he was the one that was going to receive his father's blessing. And she made a way through cunning and through wile and through manipulation. And of course, Jacob, uh, the English derivation of Jacob is James. That's my name. And it means deceiver. Or supplanter. So I tell you the truth, I've been set free from that this morning in the name of Jesus. I'm here to speak the truth and love to you this morning, and I don't take on the meaning of my name today. You know, we, let's remind ourselves this morning, Jeremiah 29 7, uh, verse 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking about your life. Sometimes stuff happens around about our lives, and we're thinking, God, do you even have a plan? Do you even have a plan for my life? Well, I want to remind you today that the Lord says, For I know, I know the plans I have for you today. He's got them laid out as a blueprint in heaven. And he says, plans to prosper you. He wants to do you good. 
He's not just talking about this is the shalom of God. This is the, this is the overwhelming goodness and favor of God, not just financial prosperity. But I want to prosper you in your relationships. I want to prosper you where you live. I want to prosper you in the workplace. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Did you know that the Bible says that God cannot be the author of evil? So if you've got evil hanging around your life today, don't ever let the devil blame God. Because he cannot be a part of evil or the author of evil because God is good. Amen. He is a good God. And he says, my plans aren't to harm you. My plans are to prosper you and plans to give you a, a hope and a future today. So we discover that there is this preordained plan that God wants us to synchronize with. And when we synchronize with that plan, all of heaven's favor and prosperity is flowing through our lives. That doesn't mean it's going to be an easy walk for you. I want to tell you that right now. When you're walking in the sequence of God for your life, and you're in the will of God for your life, Jesus said, know this, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. You need to understand that the Bible doesn't say if you have trials, it says when you have trials. And so we understand that around about and over our lives today that our walk is not going to be a walk in the park, so to speak. But our walk will have challenges. But when we are walking with the Almighty, those plans of prosperity come through our life and they flow down in your life so that God is like a bulldozer walking in front of you, making a pathway for you where previously you didn't think... You think, where the heck am I going? I can't even see the path. The jungle's so thick in front of me, I can't even see the pathway in front of you. I want to tell you, God makes a highway of holiness in the desert places, according to the prophet Isaiah. And so up to this point in Jacob's life, we read that he's a mama's boy. He's a smooth-skinned guy. His brother, the, the, one of the short scriptures of the Old Testament, Esau was a hairy man. He was, you know, he's one of those guys that had hair on his chest and hair on his back, ladies. Hair on his back. He was a hairy man. <laughs> we know this because you know how hairy he was? His mother covered him with animal skins to disguise him as his brother. That's hairy. That's hairy. Yeah, amen. That's hairy. He needs to have a shave. He needs to have a shave. So Jacob's the younger, smoother boy. He's a bit of a mama's boy. And he's received the blessing as he goes in disguised as his older brother Esau. And it's, this is interesting. After Esau discovers that his brothers cheated him out of the firstborn blessing, he says, Father, don't you have a blessing for me? Can't, can't you reverse the blessing? And he says, I can't. Whom I'm blessed, they're blessed. That's the power of blessing. That is incredibly powerful. Whom I'm blessed will be blessed. But I do have a, a blessing for you. He didn't walk away without anything. His father prophesied and prayed a blessing over him. But now, in terms of divine sequencing, Jacob is now carrying the DNA of the divine sequence that was given to his grandfather. And now, through him, all the families of the earth will be blessed. But he's got none of this firsthand information. How many of you know when you walk with God, you need first-hand information. You need to experience Him for your life. You don't need to know just about Him. You need to know Him. And up until this point, where, where Rebecca says to her son Jacob, 
It's not your plan to marry one of these Canaanite women. And that's another thing in divine sequencing. The person you choose to marry is a huge part of the divine sequence. And so he, he says, you need to go back to Haran. Remember, we've already talked about that's the place that Abraham left. And Rebecca sends Jacob back towards Haran because he says, God's got a woman there for you that's going to be part of this whole plan that through you, all the families of the earth. Can you see the sequencing and all of this? But right now, it's just words to Jacob. So he sets off and he leaves home. He's homesick after the first night because he's a mama's boy. He's homesick and he's out in the middle of the desert and suddenly he's all alone on that journey. And this is where we're going to pick up the scriptures and read from Genesis 28 verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Bathsheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. He can't have been that soft. He's using a pillow, as a stone as a pillow. Verse 12, Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Listen to this. This is firsthand information being downloaded into Jacob's spirit. You know, dreams are one of the most powerful ways that God can get his message across to your life. You know why? Because you can't use human reasoning to reject what God's speaking to you about when you're asleep. So Jacob's downloading this incredible dream. Angels ascending, descending on this ladder. But at the top of the ladder, the Lord himself is there. And first-hand information comes directly from the throne, straight into Jacob's spirit to unlock the sequence of God over his life. Wow. And behold, the Lord stood above it, and he said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. God is revealing himself personally to this boy. So no longer is he going to have secondhand information. He's now hearing and experiencing the Lord for himself. And he says, The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. They're still fighting over that land to this day, friends. The land of Israel right now is constantly, every day, under attack because of this promise. Verse 14, And also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and all your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Did you know that there's been a massive exodus from the time this was written to all the nations of the world where Jews were dispersed. And right now, God's bringing them all back to the land of Israel. And they are taking part in something that's called Aliyah, which is a process of being reintegrated into Jewish society from all their nations. They have to learn Hebrew. They have to come back and learn the culture and customs because their country hasn't practiced them. And they're being reintegrated into Israel as a result of this promise. Wow. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. There's a firm promise right there. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. 
Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took uh, the stone that he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city had been Luz previously. So Jacob suddenly experienced God firsthand. Can I tell you this morning, don't let anybody tell you that you can't get a first-hand experience of the Lord in the 21st century. Jesus has paved the way for each and every one of you to personally encounter him. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Today, you can experience and encounter Jesus Christ for yourself and have first-hand information. You know what happens when we don't live with first-hand information? We get religious. We settle into ceremony, ritual, and, 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 and a life of law-making law because we don't experience the living God. And, and, and the scripture, Ezekiel the prophet prophesied that on that day, that where this would all come to pass, that God would rewrite his laws on our hearts, not on tablets of stone, but on the human heart. And, and you will be called my, and you will call me your God, and I will call you my people, a covenant people that have been born again by the power and the anointing of the spiritual rebirth experience of receiving Jesus Christ into your life. First hand experience is what God wants for you. And so here's the Lord standing above the ladder to heaven. And this is what he's doing as he releases the word. And this is the ingredient of divine sequencing that is key to your life this morning, that God wants you to experience in increasing measures. As he's dreaming, this is what's taking place. He's hearing the voice of the Lord in his dream for the first time in his life. And as the word is going into the dream and into his spirit, this is what's happening. Faith is coming to him. For him to be an integral part of the divine sequence that God has for his life. Because you see, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of the Lord. You need faith to fulfill the plan of God over your life. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And today, Jacob is in the desert, and for the first time in his life, he's got a personal faith. He's got a word of faith. Faith has come to him in the dream, and now this ingredient of faith is now, is now at the helm of directing his life into future divine sequences of the part of plan of God for his life. You need faith for your life today, because faith, that faith is going to allow the Lord to direct your steps and bring you into a place where you can't see it with your physical eyes. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. You have a seed of hope. And suddenly as you begin to look after that seed of hope, it begins to consolidate into your spirit. It begins to grow into your spirit. And suddenly, even though you haven't seen the fulfillment of that word or that promise, it's as real to you now as before you even see it coming to pass because it's growing substance into your spirit. Faith has come to you. And that faith is rock solid in your spirit this morning. So Jacob, suddenly he has a rudder in his life, this gift of faith that God has imparted to him in that dream. And he has this experience. And what does he do? This is what we all do when we have an experience with God. We return to him and worship. 
When you've experienced God, you can't help but respond to Him in some kind of act of worship. And He takes the, the stone pillow, and what does He do? He pours oil all over it to commemorate and for Him to remember, this is where I encountered God. This is where I met the Lord. And you know the church is never supposed to be a, a, be a place of dead stones joined together. Peter's, first Peter says, you are living stones joined together by the Holy Spirit. And he pours oil over the stones, symbolic of Acts 2, where the living stones came together and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 new believers came to the Lord and they all spoke in tongues because they've been anointed with the Holy Ghost. Fresh oil upon that stone, turned it into a living stone this morning. And then he says this, he calls it Bethel, which means house of God. And he says, this is none other than the gateway to heaven. This is none other than the gateway to heaven. He's realized that he's been transported into a portal. A portal is a gateway. You experience portals in your life every day. Do you know when you jump on your smartphone, you're experiencing a portal through networking that's taking you to a computer in another country, and that portal is giving you to access data through bits and bytes, which is the language that computers speak. And so every day you use your smartphone or your tablet, you're actually coming in and out of a portal. Your phone has become a place of portal. Now what God wants to do is to establish a living, holy, spirit-filled portal and dynamic within your life that you get to interact with heaven and you get to experience the Spirit of God through a gateway that God begins to access through your life. Is your portal open to heaven or is it closed today? Do you have a gateway of access right now where God can come and visit you and where you can visit with God? Because that's what he's wanting to establish within our life today. You see, let me talk about gates for a minute. You see, everything that moves from one place to another place has to have a gateway in which to walk through. You walked through double open doors this morning to get into this place. You accessed this place of worship this morning by walking through some gates. And it's no different as to how the spirit realm works in terms of God's power. God's power in its original state, God's power in its original state resides in the invisible realm. Hello, is anyone with me this morning? God's power in its original state resides in the invisible realm. Why? Because God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And so for you to access the power that's residing in the invisible realm, you need a gateway in your life that's going to open that power to you and for that power to shift from heaven or from the invisible realm into your spirit. Is everybody with me so far? Are you tracking with me so far? Because we, we need to grab a hold of this afresh today. Faith is invisible until it has a gate. And once it goes through the gate, it becomes visible into your life. And you know suddenly that you've got faith for that thing. Suddenly you know that everything's going to be all right. Suddenly you know that God's got a plan. He's going to work it all out because suddenly you've, you've joined and you've got through. The faith has become a gateway in which God is now communicating into your life today. You see, God is a God of power. He's, not, he's dynamic. He's not static. He's not a statue. He's not made out of wood or stone. God is dynamic 
And he looks for people who will open gateways and give him access into their life. And when you give him access, the thing that's going to pull God into your life is your faith. What did Jesus say to his disciples after they failed numerous times? O ye of... So it's possible for us to have little faith. It's possible for us to have big faith. Jesus talked about the size of our faith. And he wants to grow your faith today because in growing your faith, you're causing the gateway in your life to open up and for God to begin to relay divine sequences of his plan to begin to unfold in your life today. I hope you're getting this church this morning. Paul reminded people, he, had a, he was told at the church at Corinth that he, I'm studying the life of Paul in my devotional time at the moment, and every time I study his life, I'm mesmerized, literally just shell-shocked at the courage, the bravery, the determination, and the spirit-filled living that the Apostle Paul lived in. He plants a church at Corinth and immediately comes into trouble. God gives him a place to go and stay right next to the synagogue, and, and, and he begins to preach the word of the Lord there. And the Bible says that they resided there for two years, teaching the Corinthian believers day after day, just making disciples out of these new believers, establishing them in the faith before God gave them the release to move on to Ephesus after Corinth. And one of the things that he hears, he's moved on from Corinth, and he hears that there's troublemakers in the church that are bringing divisions. I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and they've got their groupies, they've got their favorite preachers, and all of this. But he's, de- he's detected that there's arrogance and pride with these people in the church. And you know what he says to them? He says, when I return, he says, when I return, you're not going to see a man with words, but you're going to see a man who's carrying the power of God. And let's see who has the most power when I turn up. And then he says this verse, he says, 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Paul understood and had access portals into the spirit realm where he was able to release through his relationship with the Holy Spirit. By faith, he was able to release the power of God into every circumstance. And as I studied the life of Paul, this is what else I discovered. I've discovered. Every place he went to, God went before him and accomplished great miracles that opened the way for the gospel to be preached. The supernatural is not an end in itself. It's to change and open hearts to Jesus Christ so that they can receive him into their lives. So God needs a gate. He needs an access point. Jesus prayed it. Matthew 6.10, he said, pray like this, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it's already been done in heaven. This is what he's praying. He's praying, shift the power source from heaven and bring it to earth. And the way that you're going to shift it is by your faith. Your faith has the ability to move the hand of God and shift power from the invisible realm to the visible realm, from the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of God here on earth just as it's been done in heaven. God's called you to be power shifters. To shift the power with your faith in Jesus Christ this morning. So how do we get this to take place within our lives? How do we grow this faith within our lives? Well, Jesus taught us a lesson. And it was a very object lesson. 
There was actually no point in the lesson apart from the point he wanted to teach. You don't go around cursing trees and killing them just for fun. He gives an object lesson about the power of faith and how it works, and we're going to go right there right now to the Gospel of Mark and see what Jesus meant about this ingredient of faith. Mark 11 verse 12, Now the next day when they had come from Bethany, that's Jesus and the disciples, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he could find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response to it, Jesus said this, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. The Bible records everything for a purpose. He curses it. No one's ever going to eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard him say the words. Fast forward a day, a couple of days, uh, to verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. In two days, through the power of faith in the spoken word, something that was living and had leaves on it was dead. Peter, remembering, because he heard it, said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to him, this is the only reason he cursed it, friends, was to give the object lesson. Here's the lesson. Have faith in God. Not faith in faith, not hyper faith, not making faith the main thing, but the object of your faith is God and faith helps you to connect with Him. And when you have faith that connects with God, it unleashes divine potential here on earth. It brings the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom down here on earth. And Jesus was saying, first of all, have faith in me. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them today. Praise God. Jesus is teaching here that this ingredient of faith is what shifts the power, friends. This is what causes the supernatural to be unlocked and unleashed around about your life. And so I want to bring three things about faith to give you an understanding on how this ingredient called faith in God can actually grow within your life. And the first thing I want you to understand is this, is that faith wears clothes it's called our language. Faith wears clothes. It's called our language. In other words, another way of putting it is that faith has clothes, and those clothes are the words we speak. Whew. Wow. Have you ever wondered why you get so depressed and discouraged at times and filled with anxiety? I want to ask you, what have you been speaking out of your mouth? Have you been speaking faith? Has faith had the opportunity to survive your trials because you've actually incubated faith within your spirit and faith is actually allowed to grow because you're agreeing with what God says and you're speaking it out of your mouth? Faith has clothes and those clothes are the words that we speak today. Remember you saw that whoever says to this mountain, the things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Your words are vitally important and they close. You need to speak life over your business. 
You need to speak prophetic power over your family, over your children, over the generations that God has given to you. You need to release that faith over your life and speak out in agreement with what God has spoken to you and see it begin to come to pass. Your words shape the faith that you carry. Your words shape the faith that you carry. If you've got a negative confession, if you're coming down on yourself, if you're hating yourself, if you're bringing your own life into disrepute through the words that you're speaking out of your mouth, well, guess what's happening? Faith will not survive that environment. Faith needs a yes and amen with the Lord. Faith needs a full agreement with the words of heaven in order for that faith to grow and survive the things that come against us by the enemy. Faith must be expressed, and the way that faith is expressed is through your words, the words that you speak over your life. You know, I remember when the Lord spoke to me when I was on sabbatical for the first time here at Faith Point. The church had been going three years, and I went on a sabbatical, and on the sabbatical, the Lord said to me, I'm expanding the vision in your spirit. This has always been my plan, but I want you to plant seven churches out of Faith Point. I don't want you to focus on how many people turn up on a Sunday. I want you to raise up leaders. I want you to train pastors. I want you to equip them. And I want you to send them out to start their own churches. Guess what happened last weekend? By the way, Susanna's here today not because her and some have had a fight. (laughs) Susanna's here today because she's waiting for her New Zealand passport because she got her permanent residence which means that she'll be able to travel in and out of New Zealand on a New Zealand passport. So that we're believing that's going to turn up Monday or Tuesday. And uh, right now, even as I'm preaching, uh, this morning, Pastor Phil, who normally sits on the front row here, uh, as an elder of our church, he's gone over there and he's preaching in our Faith Point Church in Fiji this morning. Isn't that great? Let's give the Lord a hand for that this morning. So when I'm praying for our church, I'm not praying for this location. When I'm praying for our church, I'm praying for seven churches. I'm praying for God to give me leaders that I can shape and that I can mold. I'm asking God to give me some clay that is moldable and can sit on the potter's wheel and can be molded and shaped to become a dynamic New Testament preacher, leader, prophet, pastor, evangelist, that God would grant the request of my life because I can't fulfill that vision. In my own strength, it has to be supernaturally provided by God. And God's not into building institutions. He's into building people. Come on, we can talk about the name Faith Point until the cows come home. And it doesn't mean anything to heaven. What matters to heaven is that big people are growing and filled with faith and attacking the plan of God for their lives to release heaven on earth and bring the kingdom of God from heaven down to earth this morning. Woo! So when I'm praying, I'm praying those seven churches. I'm not seeing the two that we've got now. I'm seeing seven. And I'm praying that and I'm believing God to provide everything he needs to make that vision happen. Because I can't do it. Only he can. But faith is what he wants in order to see that vision begin to come to pass. Jesus speaks the words, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And because he believed his words, two days later that tree was dead. An object lesson. And I know the greenies are upset. That poor tree. It wasn't even the season for it to have fruit. And Jesus expected to have fruit. I th- I f- let's have a funeral for the tree. <sighs> I 
Number two, how, does, how else does faith work? Not only through the words we speak, but faith holds a visual picture of what needs to shift. And when we understand this, I was talking to Richard, I had breakfast with him last week. And how, how long is it since you put your first book into print, Richard? Two or th- in two or three years, how many copies are now out there? 550,000 books have been put into print. In how many languages? 26 languages now that book has been uh, printed in. Over 550,000. That is like record-breaking bestseller material. And, and nobody knows about it because it's kingdom material. You know, the ones that need to know about it are hearing about it uh, all around the world. And do you know why that continues to grow? Because there is a visual picture of the future that God has implanted into Richard's heart that has caused faith to rise. And that faith is going to see. What's your end goal, my friend? It was a million books. You know, if I think to myself three years ago, yeah, I'm going to be the author of a, a, of a bestseller of a million copies in print, I'd be going, man, I need some big faith for this, big faith. But you know what he's saying this morning? God's shifting the goalposts. What he's actually doing is that he's unveiling another sequence of the plan to Richard. And he's growing his faith because he's already seen 500,000 out there. That's going to go to a million in a year or two. No problem at all. And next what? The next million is on its way. Because faith holds a visual picture. A visual picture of the future of what you're believing for. God speaks in the language of dreams and pictures. That is God's prophetic language. He will place a vision or a dream within your heart. And what you need to do, and we're going to find out in the next point, is that you need to protect that seed. You need to realize that the devil's a thief and he's going to come after that and he's going to try and kill that seed of faith that God's put within your life. So he says, and does not doubt in his heart. And this is the issue for us, friends, is when we start believing our doubts instead of what God said to us. And when we start buying into our doubts, guess what happens to your faith? It shrinks. Your doubts grow bigger, your faith gets smaller because you're feeding your mind off the wrong source. The source for your faith to grow is the word that God spoke to you in the beginning. What did he say to you? Because everything else after that is a lie and a deception from the devil. And I always say when I'm teaching people how to hear the voice of God, God's voice is almost absolutely normally 100% the first thing that will come into your mind and into your spirit. Everything else after that is from the enemy trying to contradict and confuse you about what God told you in the first place this morning. So this is why, for example, we see all through the miracles of Jesus, you think about the woman with the issue of blood, 12 years. And I've preached on this woman many, many times in our church. But this is the, she had a visual picture of what would happen if she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. What was that picture? That she would be healed. She said, if I can get close enough to him, and if I can just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. She had a visual picture of faith. She saw herself touching Jesus' hem before she actually did it. And when she reached out and she touched the hem, virtue and power was diffused out of Jesus' body and went straight into her body. And something that doctors couldn't fix for 12 years, she was broke, she spent all of her money trying to make herself well. And in a few seconds of time, 
Suddenly she was divinely healed. Why? Because she held a visual picture of what would happen when she touched Jesus. Are we getting this this morning? And this is why when Bartimaeus was on the side of the road to Jericho, the blind man, he was a beggar. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs because he can't see Jesus with his natural eyes, but he's heard. Hello? He's heard. So many people wanted, if I saw Jesus, then I'd have faith. No, 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 you don't need to see Jesus physically. You need to hear him. He heard that Jesus was walking past him. He'd heard about the miracles. And as a result, he had faith in his heart that Jesus could heal him. He had seen, not with his physical eyes, but with the eyes of his imagination and his spirit, he had seen Jesus completely giving him his sight back. What did Jesus say to him? Listen to this. I hope you get this this morning. Mark 10, 51. Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Can I just let that sit in your spirit this morning? What do you want Jesus to do for you today? Because if you have faith, he's going to do it. What did Bartimaeus reply? He said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. What made him whole? Yes, it was the power of God, but Jesus labeled it. This is Jesus speaking. He said, your faith has made you whole. The fact that you could believe and trust me, the fact that you had faith as a blind man, that I could bring your sight back. You've never seen me physically. You're not going on my physical appearance. You're going because faith came to you through your inner ear that I could do this. And when I asked you what you wanted, you said exactly what it is that you wanted and you got it. Whew. Finally this morning, and this is absolutely crucial to your faith, surviving the challenges that life will bring you away. Faith must be incubated so it can grow and develop. You know, how is doubt eradicated? The same way that a, a, hot, a tomato grows in a hothouse. You've got to set the environment for your faith. Why do tomatoes grow so much better in a hothouse? Because they have a protected environment where the temperature's set, the conditions are set, and it's the perfect optimum environment for that tomato to grow. Well, guess what? Your faith is no different. If you don't protect the environment of your faith, the devil is an expert thief and he will come and steal your faith away if you don't incubate it and protect it and grow it and develop it today. Look at this, incubate, incubate from the dictionary. To sit on eggs to provide heat so as to promote embryonic development and the hatching of young, it means to brood over. To maintain an optimal environment, conditions for growth and development. To maintain a chemical or biochemical system under specific conditions in order to promote a particular reaction. Here's the deal, friends. God's spoken to you. He told you something maybe yesterday, maybe six years ago. But he deposited the seed of faith within your life. And that seed will either maintain and grow 
so that you have this connection through this portal, this gateway of faith with the Lord that will unlock the divine sequence for your life. Or you're going to be like a mother hen that's laid that egg of faith and you get up and you abandon that egg and you know what, if you don't sit over that egg, if you don't brood over that egg, if you don't protect that egg, if you don't provide an environment for that egg, guess what's going to happen? It's never going to hatch. And it's exactly the same with your faith. Your faith will grow when you incubate, when you set the tone, when you set the environment, when you protect the seed. When you're feeling those doubts coming your way, you're coming back at those doubts head on. And you're saying, no, 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 no. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he not spoken it? Shall he not make it good? He will bring it to pass because God is not a liar. Devil, you're a liar. You're the father of all lies. I rebuke your lies over my life. I stand on the seed of the word of God that God has placed with in my heart and I'm going to incubate I'm going to grow and I'm going to develop my faith and you watch God will bring it to pass in the mighty name of Jesus I believe this is where we gain substance faith all begins with a hope or a dream faith Hebrews 11 verse 1 faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not yet seen you haven't seen the answer to your faith yet, but you've got substance in your spirit because your original hope that you had, I hope that I can be healed. I hope that I can get better. I hope that I'll pass my exams. I hope that I can get that new car. Whatever it may be, substance will not come to that and turn it into faith until you incubate that seed of God's Word within your life and allow the Holy Spirit to bring it to pass. So friends, as I finish today, I want to remind you that over your life are plans, good plans, plans not to harm you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future and a hope over your life today. And I want to ask you today, how is your faith? O ye of little faith or growing faith? When Jesus says to you this morning, what is it that you want me to do for you? What's your answer? Do you have an answer? Is there something percolating on the stovetop in that saucepan of faith where you've actually got a seed, where you're believing God for something, where your life is heading somewhere through the prophetic word that God has placed over your life? Or are you just haphazardly passing the time of day, not understanding there's a series of divine sequences that add up to the purpose and plan of God over your life today that God wants to unlock? Can we stand to our feet, please?